right into the Word of God today, and uh, I pray that, uh, that the Lord speaks to us through His Word and uh, through this season, and uh, I just really, again, appreciate you being here. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for, Lord, your presence, your gift to us, Lord, even as that video it says that, that Jesus was the greatest gift ever given to humanity, that, Lord, the gift of Christ to the world. And Lord, I prayed, God, today that we would receive that gift with open arms, with an open heart. We would receive you in a new way. Lord, as, as the joy to the world says, let every heart prepare him room. Lord God, may we make room for you in our hearts. And today, God, as we behold you, I pray that we would see you with new eyes, with new understanding of who you are. Lord, not, not what religion says you are, not what maybe somebody has said that you are, but who you say you are, that we would behold you in a new way. We lift our eyes to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, again, for your grace. Holy Spirit, come and lighten the word, illuminate the word of God to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want that person with me all the time. They can sit right up here if they want. You guys have Christmas traditions that you kind of do every year? Raise your hand. Traditions, aren't they wonderful? How about gift opening? Who opens all your gifts Christmas Eve? Okay, when I was growing up, we would do one gift on Christmas Eve. Anybody do that? And it was usually my mom gave us the lamest gift in the pile. And so there was really nothing. It was like socks, you know, and then it's like, thanks a lot, mom, you know. Um, Christmas morning, everybody just, you're, you are purist Christmas morning, you do that, you wait, all right, good, good. How many guys do them one at a time? Maybe one at a, like one at a time, and then you, okay, and then the younger kids are going crazy. How many just, it, it's like a free-for-all, and people like, you know, we have injuries and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we do them one at a time. We've done that, um, and we usually now open our gifts on Christmas Eve, so those are all really, really awesome things. Um, I, we love to go around and look at lights. You guys like to look at Christmas lights? That's always a fun thing. Um, our new son, Judah, that's his, one of his favorite things to do is ride around and look at Christmas lights, and uh, it is so sweet because uh, he looks, and, and, and his favorite thing is like, oh, oh, and he sees the lights before we do, and uh, are John and Kathy Nelson here? I love lights, but if you guys ever say, I don't think they're here, they win the light award. Wow, that's quite a display. If you ever get a chance to see that, that's amazing. So uh, I was going to honor them today and maybe give them a gift or something. They do the greatest lights in town. If you do lights, sorry, they, they, they win. So <laughs> my, my, my title for today is uh, Come and Behold Him. Um, we sing that phrase in the song, come and behold him, born the king of ages, oh come let us adore him. And my heart today, is, even if I, as I prayed, is that we behold Jesus in a new way. My prayer for you and me as we celebrate him, that we would love him more. My greatest desire is to love him more and more every day for who he is. And that we would truly come together and adore him and worship him because he's worthy of our praise and so that we would behold him today. You know, his coming changed absolutely everything. 
And that coming had also included having the power to change you and me, to transform us from, from being old creations and, and filled with sin and despair to make us new creations in Christ. His coming enabled us to be changed by that power. Even his name invokes feelings, emotions, and opinions in everyone. Isn't that true? The name of Jesus. There's no other name that, 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 that does that um, because I believe his name is powerful. The scripture says this, that his name is the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That includes everyone. Everyone means everyone. Everyone will bow their knee before Jesus. I encourage you to do it this side of eternity. And confess that he is Lord. You notice that in society, his name brings great controversy. Daily in the news now, you have someone that is, they get a little weirded out by a cross or a, a, a manger scene. We can put Santa and snowmen and reindeer, we can put those everywhere, but you start thinking about Jesus, the incarnation, the story of the incarnation, and you have some opinions that start flying and a lot of controversy. You know, you can even, you can even talk about God and it's not, doesn't invoke as, as much emotion. We can kind of throw around the name God and, uh, you know, God loves you and, you know, uh, musicians and actors, they can thank God and they can give shout outs to God. But when you start talking about Jesus, the conversation changes. Why is that? His name is the only God-like name that's used for cursing. You guys were at Darren Streplow. He's a comedian, Christian comedian, a lot of really funny. He said, you notice no one stubs their toe and yells out Buddha. Why is his name so powerful? But when Jesus came to the earth, it absolutely changed everything. His coming split the calendar in half. B.C., before Christ A.D., which means the year of our Lord. Who is he? Most people see him in the two holiday snapshots of Christmas and Easter. Most people, if you mention Jesus, they, they see the, the baby in the manger or, or the man on the cross, and they have those snapshots, but there's so much more to him than just those things. Who is he? Why did he come? My heart today is that we behold him in a new way, and that's why the title is Come and Behold Him. We're going to look at the word behold that's used in Scripture. The, the Hebrew word for behold is hene. The Greek word is the do, if for you guys, Greek geeks that like that kind of stuff. But it's interesting. I just give you that. But the Hebrew word behold, hene, Greek word is adu, I-D-O-U. And they both mean basically the same thing. It means lo, see, it, it, is an, it is a declaration. Whenever you would see this, this is not a trivial matter that's being, being uh, declared. Whenever you would see Hene or Edu, behold, what you are about to hear after that is a life-changing, life-altering statement or message. Hene, Edu, pay attention to this. Behold, he's saying, do I have your attention? Check this out. Do not miss this. 
We use modern behold statements when we're trying to convey something of huge importance or significance. It's not a trivial thing. You know, you know, you wouldn't say, behold, I bought a new toothbrush. It's huge life-altering things. It's, it's when you're trying to get everyone, everyone in the room, you're trying to get their attention. And you got, this is important. Everyone needs to stop what you're doing and listen to this message. It's the kind of thing of a couple saying, we're going to have a baby. Or an announcement saying, we're getting married. You wouldn't just say, oh, you know, you're having conversation. By the way, we're going to have a baby. Most of the time, it's, all right, everybody, we got an announcement, and usually there is a lot of excitement and, and, and build up over this, and it's like, all right, everyone listen, listen to this. We're going to have a baby. We're going to get married. Stop everything and listen. Do I have your attention? So when you see the word behold in Scripture, this is what is going to happen, is there is a life-altering declaration or message that's coming right on the heels of that. Listen, do I have your attention? Don't miss this. This is not trivial. Take note of this. So we're going to take a look today at some behold moments from the Word of God about who Jesus is, and we're going to come and behold him. Even some of those things of what he says of himself. And again, I pray that through this season and this message, we get to know him more, and we behold who he is, and we don't miss him. And that's my encouragement is we can, we can hear with religious ears of things that are familiar and, oh yeah, you know, I, I know all about that. I've heard that before. And we have to humble our hearts and say, God, teach me who you are in a new way. And so don't miss this. So the first behold statement is, behold Jesus, the baby. Behold Jesus, the baby. Isaiah 7.14 it's a Christmas prophecy. You will have heard this many times before. But these words are spoken about Jesus about 700 years before he came to the earth. This is one of the prophecies that foretold his coming and how he would come. Here's what Isaiah 7:14 says. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Then he says, behold, hene, don't miss this. Check this out. Stop what you're doing. I'm about to give you something that's going to alter everything. It's going to change everything. Don't miss this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What was Isaiah saying? Think about what his declaration, that behold statement, when he's getting everyone's attention, he said, I'm about to say something that's very important. And then he says this, there will be a sign. It's not just any sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, we can hear that, again, with religious ears and go, yeah, I've heard that before. Think about what the hearers of that were hearing. Okay, what, what did you just, the promised Savior, we've heard other prophecies about his coming. You're saying he's coming how? Through a virgin? This is why there is great significance to Jesus being born of a virgin. This was a sign that was fulfilled by the prophetic message of Isaiah years before. 
when he gave that prophecy, then it was fulfilled 700 years later. It was intended to be a miraculous sign done by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of questioning of the virgin birth, even among some Christian circles. Of, you know, you know, one guy wrote, he said, you know, it wouldn't have been less powerful if it wouldn't have been a virgin birth. I'm thinking, yeah, it would because the Bible would then lie. When the angel came to Mary and he said, God's chosen you, he's seen you, and he's chosen you for a mission, and you're going to bear a son. And, she's, and what is her response? Same health class as was then, was then now. You know, I, I've not been with a man. I, th- this, this doesn't make any sense to me. How can this be? And it was a fulfillment of a prophecy long, long before. Behold, this will change everything. It's interesting, you know, the news guy, Larry King, that does all the interviews, he was asked one time if he could interview one person in history, who would it be? And he said, I'd like to interview Jesus. It's interesting, Larry King is Jewish. But he said, I would like to ask him about being born of a virgin. And if he says yes, I would have to reevaluate everything. Isn't that something? Behold, I will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive a son. You will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Who is this baby? Isaiah 9, 6 talks about he, that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is who he is. He's coming. Don't miss him. Behold, Jesus, the baby. Secondly, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. John 1.29, John the Baptist, who was actually a part, a little bit part of the Christmas story, if you read it through, is his mother was Elizabeth, very old. You know, they were past age, uh, past the age to bear children, and, and God tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son, and Zechariah doesn't believe him, and Elizabeth gets pregnant, and they have John the Baptist, who is about six months older than Jesus. And so later on, before Jesus starts his earthly ministry, John the Baptist, whose mission was to prepare the way of the Lord, this is what was prophesied over John. It says, you will prepare the way of the Lord. You will make a way for him to come. And he spoke these words over Jesus, John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold, do, do not miss this. Check this out. Stop everything you're doing and listen to what I'm about to say. We knew John was a preacher. He was preaching repentance and people were coming into the kingdom of God even before Christ had risen. And so he was baptizing people and he was preaching repentance. And this where he said, behold, stop everything. Do I have everyone's attention? I am not going to say another word until everyone is paying attention to what I'm about to say. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is not just any ordinary man. This is the Lamb of God. Why did he give him that title? Why would he say that? Jesus, the Lamb of God. I thought Jesus, you know, we read earlier, I thought Jesus was the shepherd. And yes, he is, but he was also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Think about what the hearers were hearing. This would have been a jaw-dropping statement to the crowd that had gathered and heard him say this. 
because these people knew the significance of the title that John just gave him. Behold the Lamb of God. They knew the significance because they were familiar with the sacrificial system of the old covenant and the law that was in place. They knew that because of sin, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. One of the scriptures that were given earlier by Doug and Sandy was the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Something has to die. There's sin, there must be death. And the sacrificial system dated back to the original Passover. You hear that word Passover. What did that mean? The children of Israel were in Egypt in captivity and you know God was going to deliver them and he sent ten plagues. The last one was going to be kind of the crescendo that God was going to, he said, I'm going to send the death angel throughout the land, and all of the firstborn sons were going to die. But his command to Israel was this, he he said, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. You're going to take a lamb without uh, without blemish, without spot. It's going to be a perfect lamb, and you're going to sacrifice him. And you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it over your, your, the, the doorway, the tops of the door and the sides of the door. And you're going to apply the blood over your, the doorway of your home. It's interesting that when he would put the blood up there, it would drip down. And so you have this, what do you have here? You have an Old Testament pointing to the cross. It was foreshadowing Jesus. The Old Testament is a neon sign that points everything to Christ and his sacrifice. And then here was what would happen. God would send the death angel and he would come through. And he said, if I see the blood over the doorposts of your home, I will pass over you. That's where we get the word pass over. And, And the judgment will not come near you. And so the children of Israel applied the the blood of the lamb to their doors. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Behold the lamb of God. What was John saying? John was saying he was born to die. Here is the sacrificial lamb of God, the once and for all sacrifice. The book of Hebrews even declares to us that the old covenant sacrifice was insufficient and incomplete. That's why they had to continually sacrifice animals at the altar because it was incomplete. Jesus came and he became the sufficient, perfect sacrifice so that animals didn't have to die any longer. His sacrifice, his blood was able to cleanse us spiritually from our sins and eternal death sentence that was placed on us because of sin. And the judgment that we richly deserve because of sin is removed from us because of his death. It's interesting that today was the, uh, we lit the shepherd's candle. And these shepherds, and some of you guys have heard this before, but it bears repeating here, is why would this announcement of the birth of Jesus be given to these shepherds? What made them so special? So a lot of theologians believe that in Bethlehem, 
the shepherds that were in Bethlehem, their job was to raise the sacrificial lambs that were supposed to be slaughtered. They were rabbinic shepherds. And so that is why I believe that God sent the angel and he said to these shepherds, he said, come and see. And they came to this cave, this stable where Jesus was and they saw him and they fell down and they were seeing the Lamb of God. They were seeing the once and for all sacrifice. These shepherds that would raise the lambs for sacrifice and they were seeing him. Come and see the Lamb of God. What is said of Jesus the Lamb, I love this. In Revelation 5.12, we get a glimpse into heavenly worship. John says, he, 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 gets, he gets this vision and he gets to see it. And he said, I saw, I saw this Lamb, the, 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 the Son of God, sitting on the throne. And there were many people around the throne and thousands upon ten thousands. And they said this, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And this is... What they are saying is they are, they are worshiping him for what he did from the foundations of the earth. This was God's plan was that he would be the slain lamb for you and me. And they say worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is the lamb. Behold him. Check this out. Do not miss this part of him and forget that he came to die for us. And then there is, behold, Jesus the man. Behold, Jesus the man. John 19, 5. This is in front of Pilate. Jesus has been beaten beyond recognition for you and me. Every stripe was for you and me. The crown of thorns were for you and me. He had been beaten, and he was in a very weak state. And Pilate brings him out, John 19, 5. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Stop what you're doing and listen. This is an important statement. I don't even know if Pilate knew what he was declaring there. But he was saying, Edu, check this out. Everyone stop what you're doing and listen. Behold the man. We knew that Pilate, part of Pilate wanted to get rid of this and make it all disappear. And he washed his hands of Jesus. And ultimately, he's the one that condemned him to die. But he really didn't want anything to do with it because he knew something was going on here. His wife had dreams and said, leave this man alone. He's standing before Jesus. And he says, you know, don't you know I have the power to release you? And Jesus says, you have nothing. You have no power except what's given to you by my father. I lay my life down on my own accord and I can take it back up again. Behold the man. Why would he say that? What's significant about that declaration from Pilate? Jesus, through Jesus, God was making a statement that he was, Jesus was fully God and yet he was fully man. John 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why we have the Emmanuel, God with us. Who was God with us? Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh. That's why he was born like us and wasn't just put on the earth. He had to learn to walk and talk and he cut teeth like we did and he had to endure life like us. He became one of us fully. Why would he do that? I believe it was to fully embrace us, to know us intimately, 
to know us in our weaknesses. And when you're weak, he knows you. In our struggles, he understands struggle. Our sadness, our abuse, he understood that. Our rejection, he understands that. And when we endure things on the earth that don't make a lot of sense, Jesus, the man, understands us. He humbled himself to become one of us, to know us in our weaknesses and sufferings. Even enduring a torturous death and feeling every bit of the pain that was associated with that. And this is said of him, he who knew no sin became sin for us. What was his response to all of that? It was compassion. That's why when Jesus in the Gospels, he would see people and it says that his heart was moved with great compassion toward them. Even in his most vulnerable moment, what do we see here? Compassion. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As they scorned him and they mocked him. Creation, mocking the creator, the response of the creator through Christ, compassion and love. Here's what Hebrews 4 says about him. Therefore, since we have a great high priest talking about him, that he became our high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. But here's the good news. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose and he promised that he would return. Behold, Jesus, the man. Leads us into the next one. Behold, Jesus, the returning king. I love this. Jesus makes this declaration of himself. Revelation 22, 12 through 13. And behold, it do, do not miss what I'm about to tell you. Jesus is saying, wake up. If you're dozing off right now, you'll need to listen to this. Listen to what I'm about to say. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. This is what Jesus says of himself. I am coming. Behold, do not miss it. And did you, see, did you hear what he said? He said he's coming and he will give us our due reward based on our work. And now that's not work unto salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. That's the behold, Jesus, the man he took, and the, and, and the Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God. Jesus took our sins upon himself. And we have to receive that sacrifice. It's not, but he says, I will give you reward based on your work. And what that means is, what are you doing with what he's given you? And he declares that it's all about him. It's always been about him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's all about him. It is all about him. It began with him. It's going to end with him. He will stand at the end of the day and he will be the victorious king of kings, lord of lords. He will be alive and he will rule and he will reign forever. That's what he says. And he will stand before you and each person will stand before him. We really will because it says this in scripture. You will look him in the eyes, every one of us one-on-one, -on -one. and he will be your savior or he will be your judge, and our response to him determines which one of those will be.
And he will say, well done. Or he will say, depart from me. That's in scripture. That's what he says. That's not trying to be cruel or harsh. He has made a way. If you want to look at harsh, look at the cross. That's what he did for us. And he says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Behold Jesus, the returning king. What does his declaration of him speak to us? There is a lot of darkness and suffering in our world. And it seems to be getting darker and darker. I believe that we are getting closer and closer to his return. There's probably a lot of more things that still have to happen. But instead of focusing on the darkness, because that's a, a tendency is to do that and crawl into kind of our spiritual cave, it's time for the church to be reminded of the mission that Jesus gave us and why we are here. Because he says this about himself, I am the light of the world and we have the light. And he said, let your light shine. Let it shine in you and through you to a dark and dying world. The one who started in a lowly manger and lived in great humility will be returning as Lord, Savior, and Judge of the earth. And right now the world needs the light of Christ. And the church needs to be reminded of why we exist. We don't exist to be religious. We exist to shine the light of Jesus to a lost world. And it begins with each of us personally, individually. It begins right here with me in my own heart because the last part, and I'm going to close with this, is behold Jesus, the personal Savior. And then once again, Jesus says this about himself in Revelation 3.20. It's a passage maybe some of you have memorized, but he says, behold, it do. Don't miss this. Stop everything you're doing and listen to the significance and the importance of this life-altering message I'm about to give you. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and they open the door to me, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And what that means is have fellowship and relationship with them. But he, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, don't miss that. And he stands at the heart of every human being and he's knocking. And he knocks on your heart and he knocks on mine. And my encouragement today is if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, he is knocking on your door today and he desires to change you forever. Maybe here today and you're... Your, your walk with Christ or your knowledge of God and Christ have been through a real religious lens and you've got kind of a sour taste in your mouth even about sometimes church and religion or whatever. That is not Christ. Jesus stands, the real Christ stands at the door and he knocks and he says, let me in and I will change everything. If you've been a Christian for some time, he's knocking on your heart too. and He's knocking on my heart to remind us that we need to open up every area of our lives to Him. To remind us of why we belong to Him. To bring us back to the place of first love, as He speaks to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. Come back to your first love. You've forgotten love. 
You've forgotten what you've become religious and you've become bitter because you've forgotten what this thing is all about. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let love come in again. Behold, get ready. If you let me in, I will alter everything. I will alter your life. I will give you my peace. I will give you my hope. I will give you my joy. I will give you life abundantly. And those are things that he promises. I'll give you a love like you've never known before. I'll give you grace and mercy unlike anything you've ever experienced. But I love this too about him. I love this picture of him knocking because this is the picture of Jesus in his gentleness is he will not kick the door down. He will not force his way in. And this is that one of the gifts that he gives humanity of the gift of free will is he knocks and we have to open to him. We have to willingly open our hearts and surrender because it's a place of surrender to say, all right, Jesus, come in and change me. But here's the terms. See, a lot of times we like to open the door and go, okay, if you could just stay in this room, that would be great. You ever have that one room that you keep kind of neat for guests that stop by? It used to be very popular when I was a kid. My mom would have that one room, and you know you couldn't go in there as a kid. You couldn't play in there. It's vacuumed. It's straight. I mean, if you went in there, you know you you could get you can get into a lot of trouble. Don't mess that room up because somebody might drop by, or that room's a mess, and somebody says, "Can we stop by? Are you guys busy?" And mom sweetly says, yeah, come on by, that's not a problem, you know, and she's just so relaxed, and she hangs up the phone, and it's like code orange, <laughs> DEFCON 3, get, everybody get in gear, and, and like shove stuff in the claw, whatever you need to do, somebody's coming by, you can relate to that, you guys, you don't know, you know what I'm talking about, or what's worse is they stop by, you didn't know they were going to stop by, the house is a bit of a mess, and then mom goes off on everybody because this is why I want you guys to keep your stuff cleaned up. I'm just having a moment here, just sharing my heart with you. and <laughs> It just helps me to talk about this stuff. But Jesus, he comes and a lot of times it's very easy to have this little part of our house. And, you know, we vacuumed, we cleaned. That, that's a part that we like for you to see, Jesus. And I think he smiles and he says, you know, what about that room over there? And we're like, no, 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 not that room. You do not want to go in that room. And he said, yeah, I do. Because here's the thing, I want to go in that room and I actually want to help you clean that room. And the servant Jesus comes and he says, I'll help you clean up that mess of your life. And we have those parts of our lives that we like to keep him at bay and say, you know, don't look at that. That's such a struggle for me. That, that's a shameful part of my past. And Jesus is saying, please, I know all about it. It's not a surprise to me. I was there when it happened. I was with you. I've been knocking on your heart. Let me in. And the conditions and the terms are this. Let me into every area. Because I'll come and I'll, I'll give you peace. I'll give you healing. I'll give you restoration. I'll give you redemption. He wants a full, all-access pass to our hearts. But he won't force his way in. And when we open, he'll say, I want every bit of it. And we have to say, come on in.
And there's a peaceful thing. There's a joy in surrendering to him that I can't describe to you. But we have to let him in. And so this Christmas season, today, as we close our time, I, I, I just encourage you, don't forget who it is that we are celebrating. We are not just celebrating this little baby in a manger that was born some time ago and we like this time of the year, but I want us to behold him today. Behold him. Check it out. Don't miss this. It will alter your life. Give full attention to him Behold Jesus, the baby who came in humility for us. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God, who became your sacrifice and my sacrifice. And he takes away the sins of this world. Behold Jesus, the man who is acquainted with us in every single way. When you suffer, when you're depressed, when you're sad, he understands us. We have a high priest that understands us. And behold, Jesus, the returning king, he is coming back. He promised he would. He's coming back as Lord, Savior, judge of the earth. And don't miss Jesus. Behold, Jesus, the personal Savior who is knocking on the door of your heart today to let him in, to say, God, I give you full access to me, and I want my life to be yours. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much and we honor you today for who you are. I pray, God, that today we would not miss who you are. That, Lord, as individuals, as families, that we would behold you. Lord, we would stop everything and we'd say, wait just a second. He, he, he came as a baby, really, for, 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 for real. That's true. He came. He dwelt among us. Let's not miss the power of that. Behold the Lamb of God, this one who went to the cross and had you and me on his heart and his mind as he hung on the cross. He endured suffering like we could never imagine. He did it for us. Lord, that we would behold you as the man, fully God, fully man, that you are acquainted with us in every way. Lord, that we would behold that you are the soon coming king, that you're the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last, that it all begins with you and it's going to end with you. Lord, I want us to all be on your side. I want us to be all belonging to you because, Lord, help us to behold that you're the personal Savior, that you're knocking on the doors of our heart, that we would open up to you. We'd open our hearts to you in every way. Give you that all-access pass to our lives. And I just I don't want to miss this moment, but I want to pray for you and then if that's you today and you, you just want to respond to the Lord and you say, you know what, I, I, in a fresh and new way, I want to open up the door of my heart to Jesus today. And again, it could be that maybe you're doing this for the first time. Maybe you've walked with the Lord and you just said, you know what, my relationship with him is I've kind of kept him out for a while and I just want to, I want to give him access to my life again. If that, if that would be you, can you raise your hand? I want to pray for you as everybody is, thank you so much. I want to pray for you. Thank you for lifting those hands. And if you'd agree with me in prayer, God, thank you for those who lift their hands. Lord, I, I pray for those who wanted to and didn't lift their hands. God, you see their heart more than the hand. You see the heart. And I pray 
for them today, God, as we open up our lives to you, that you would come in, that you would change us from the inside out. You'd do a work in us that only you can do. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person here. I pray you bless their Christmas season. Lord, it would be a time of great joy as we remember you and we love you. Behold him. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Jesus. Lord, may we come and adore you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And hopefully we'll see you tomorrow evening at the Christmas Eve service. If not, God bless your Christmas and have an awesome day.